La 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 wait till I get my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I spent that on a necklace. I told God I'll be back in a second. Man, it's so hard not to act reckless. To whom much is given, much is tested. Get arrested, guess until he get the message. Yo, what's up, motherfuckers? I'm back, dude. And I'm back every week now. I'm back on my consistent grind. I told you guys I wasn't going to fuck around. And uh, I'm glad I'm doing that for you, dude. Today, we have a very special guest. Today, I have with me the owner of Bread and Barley in Covina, Carlos Roman. What's up, Carlos? Hi, how are you? I'm good, dude. How are you? Ah. (laughs) Better days, huh? Not great, but I guess as good as I can be in this uh, situation. Well, let me give the listeners a little background. Um... You are the owner of the restaurant Bread and Barley in Covina, and um, your YouTube video went viral about, say, in December, I want to say? Like, yeah, towards the end of December. Right, and that was the uh, health inspectors uh, giving you a hard time and used your truck to block the street, right, which right. I thought was genius, to be honest with you. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. But um, yeah, man, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's been like ever since that. It's been crazy. Um, it's Obviously, the health department hates me. They've, uh, you know, I, I didn't think a government agency would take such a personal stance and have like a, a retaliation type mentality, but they really do. Uh, other business owners kind of warned me of that, that have been around longer. Uh, there's a couple places in downtown Covina that have been there, you know, 25, 30 years. And they say, Carlos, you know, you're, you're, you're making the wrong people mad and they're going to, they're going to come back at you. And I thought, oh, come on, this is the government, you know, they, they still got to do their job the right way. They have, you know, parameters and they have rules, you know, they can't, what, what are they going to do? I'm not doing anything wrong. But, you know, there's that little thing called discretion, especially with a health inspector. So yeah, they can come back and put on a white glove and start rubbing their finger down behind every piece of equipment. They, they can find stuff to get you on um, or just come in every day until they, you know, catch a waitress. I, we're, we're human, you know, we got employees maybe catch a waitress doing something that she shouldn't be doing, maybe uh, took her mask off for half a second to scratch her nose, and then all of a sudden, you know, I got a fine. So it's bad. It's really bad. There's a lot to worry about right now. I'm I'm always confused on the notion, too. Like, I don't get how they expect you to enforce this shit. Like, everyone is their own person. You make your own decisions. If you, if you punch somebody, right. I go to jail for punching somebody. Why should I be, like in charge of someone else putting their mask on. That doesn't make any right, sense. Right. I, I think in today's society, we are becoming less accountable as people because we could pass the buck. It's easy to do, right? You can say, well, uh, you know, that guy wasn't watching me or he or this guy was in charge. That's not fair. Uh, health inspector was all. out at my place, what, three days ago and said you are required to ask your customers when they are a party of six or more, you have to ask them if they're from the same household. What the? F- I said, okay, and if they say, no, we're not from the same household, what would you like me to do? Well, you're not allowed to serve them. I said, listen, you're asking me to police something that's far beyond the scope of my business. I didn't get far in business. Uh, come on. I'm not, now I'm an, an investigator. Like I gotta go out and ask people questions like this, and then Wait what? A Tell them Let to me leave. See you guys from the same household? What's going on here? Yeah, can I get all your IDs? I need oh, I need fuck. all your addresses to match. Like, come on! Like, what are we doing here? And then they want to penalize me for that. This That's is insane, unreal. Dude. And this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You know, the reopening uh, after that stay at home 
home order was lifted, the reopening documents came in and there, you know, it's like 50 pages of things that we have to follow as a restaurant. And when that came in, it came in the day that they allowed us to reopen in the afternoon. I, you know, I opened for lunch and they brought it in like right around 12, 15, 12, 30 and said, okay, here's all your rules. I said, guys, you're a little late. I mean, we're already open here. And so, and, and here we got, you know, a 50 page document of things that we have to adhere to. Cause if we don't, they're going to put us on the chopping block and go back to square one. And here I am, you know, going to court and fighting them and there's a legal battle. It's just, it's unreal. It's unreal. I don't know how anyone could make a living right now. Dude, it's on. And it's a, uh, there's a part in your video that I really like, it struck a nerve with everybody because everyone was like, dude, finally. Like, yes. Like, Dude, like when you're like, I'm a tax paying citizen. Like, I don't break fucking rules, man. Like, yeah. I, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I pay my right. permits. I pay these things, dude. That's what, that's what everyone was feeling bad for, dude. Because honestly, that's what I, like, I felt bad a little bit about, um, the situation going on for everybody. But when it came to that, I was like, dude, business owners are fucked right now, man. Yeah. Like, like the the cop that came in, um, she seemed like a nice person, but, um, and I'm sure she's a great cop. But like, um, and all respect for law enforcement, I. The most, right, right. Yeah, yeah. the most Same respect here. for law enforcement. Uh, my dad's in law enforcement. Um, but on that day, on that moment, her people skills just seem to be off to me, in my humble opinion. I don't even know that they know what to do with this. They're confused. Right. They're right. lost. They're they're trying to figure out what they, they know they have a job that they have to do and enforce, right. but they they don't even know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for that, too. And it sucks, but it's like, in a, in a lot of ways, that job is the most dangerous thing ever. But Financially, it's very safe. It's a very safe Correct. job. You get a paycheck every Friday. Exactly. It's a, a very, good paycheck. Yeah, a great paycheck. It's a very safe job when it comes to fu- to the financial side of the thing. And for you, it's not safe at all. Fin- going into business is not safe at all. It's You're risking everything. And then for those people to risk everything, have the balls to fucking do it, and then finally get some success, and then you shoot them down like this. Right. When they followed all the rules, dude, it's bullshit. Right, right. I mean, I spent the last seven years building a restaurant from the ground up. I mean, I have pictures of me on scaffolding, pouring concrete into the center of a CMU block wall in the back. You know, I mean, I, the American I, dream, I literally built it with my own hands. And why did I do that? Not because, you know, I'm, I'm a contractor. or I wanted to do it. I'm not a contractor. I did it as owner builder because it was the only way for me to make ends meet. You know, I had to rub two nickels together to make that building go up in the first place. I bought it at the bottom of the market you know, I was able to to make good decisions in my life, what I thought were good decisions financially, in order to do something with my life. Right. Um, you know, to to su- support and provide for my family. It's it's been a long bumpy ride, and I've gone without for years and years and years. You know, and in the lows, I mean, there's times I worked landscaping, you know, digging holes and putting plants in the ground for a long time when things weren't good. I I I did what I had to do to make ends meet, and here I am you know, sacrificing everything I am to get what I have today. And then the government wants to shut it down that I take that very personal. Yeah. I think a lot of people from the outside look at it and go, Oh, well, he's a business owner. You know, he must be doing great. Look at that truck that he was driving. I got a lot of flack on the truck. You know, Mm -hmm. people look at that big old truck that he's driving. You know, that must cost a ton of money. He should just sell that. You know, I worked my whole life for this. This is all I have. Right. You know, and it's more than a truck. Okay, I sell the truck and uh, I pay my employees two weeks of payroll. And then what? Now we're back to square one. 
You know, we're not looking for handouts. We're not looking for some free money. We're not looking for some way to get through the week or the month. Right. We want to open back up and operate and earn a living. My staff wants to earn a living. They want to come in and work. They're not asking for anything for free. Right. Neither am I. We're asking, can we go back to work? Can we open the doors and let society be the judge? If you want to come and enjoy a great meal at Bread and Barley, great. Come in. Enjoy it. If you're... If you're a person who is at risk or you're someone that feels like this COVID is really going to hit you hard and, and you don't want to risk yourself, by all means, continue doing what you're doing. Keep yourself in a position where you feel safe and secure. But you can't infringe on everyone, everyone else's rights in society to even exist and live their life. It's right. sad. And that's what's happening. They are inf- infringing upon that because it's a difference when— you choose to not run your business. If you're just like, hey, man, COVID, it's really fucking up my life. Like my you know, my old lady's uh, mom died. People are dying all around me. I'm going to choose to shut down my business, you know, and it's, a, and it's a personal decision. Okay, well, that's yeah, it's your decision. It's America. You get to make your own decisions, and uh, good luck to you, man. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. But when the government says you can't do it, that's way different. That's that, to me, that's overstepping. Yeah, I agree. And, and in, in our state, you know, there's... Uh, there's a weird situation here that I think most people don't open their eyes to at all. You look at this and you go, okay, I, I call the health department. Guys, I can't operate this way. Well, you know, we're just doing our job and this is the orders that we're given. Okay, well, who do I talk to then? You know, anyone that knows, you know, you go to any business, you ask to talk to a supervisor. Okay, well, who's your supervisor? This person. I talk to their supervisor. Well, you know, we're just doing our job. And I keep going up the line and I keep getting the same story. We're, we're just doing our job. Okay, great. So the more you really run this down, it it all started to go to one person, Gavin Newsom. You know, it all goes to the governor of California. And I'm going, wait a minute. Has anyone else done what I'm doing? Has anyone else investigated this at all? Has anyone else like tried to go up the the chain of command and find out who is in charge or who's making the rules or why? Why is there a rule? You know, who made the decision that you have to wear a face shield and why they make that decision? Right. Who made the decision that you have to uh, have the tables eight feet apart? You know, who made the de- who's making these decisions and why are they making these decisions? And the higher you go up as to the, the director of all this, it's one person. It's one person, man. I, wh- and we it, live it, in the United States of America, and there's a dictatorship going on in California where one man just, just wakes up in the morning and says, hey, you know what, we're locking it down today. And then a couple of weeks ago, he wakes up in the morning and says, well, you know what? Shit's not so good now. We're going to go ahead and lift it. Literally, it's, it's, <laughs> there's no checks and balances whatsoever. Zero. I, it's fucking insane, dude. Like, And not only that, this motherfucker had his own business the whole time. He, he's not suffering. No, he's, he's not his, suffering. He's I don't see shit. him going hungry. I don't see him, you know, there's yet to be a news station that says, hey, Gavin Newsom's filing for BK or, or negative on a, on a credit card. He seems like he's doing just fine. He's doing just fine. And not only that, like, it's so, dude, it's, it fucking, it literally pisses me off, dude, because I don't like when, when this motherfucker comes out here, he's like, I feel bad. I'm sorry. And then he gets caught and wearing no mask. I'm like, dude. Like, then don't make the fucking rule then. It means nothing. The words that come out of these people's mouths mean absolutely nothing. They mean nothing. Nothing. And it's it's been like this for 
for fucking decades. Like everyone is like, we're gonna fix the community. Like, it, it, sure, it looks like shit. Still, there's still 50 homeless people pissing and shitting everywhere. What do you mean? Like, what are you gonna fix? And they dump more money into it. They yeah, say, well, money's the solution. Let's 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 just create a river of money and flow it into Sacramento, and it doesn't do anything. It does nothing, it makes it man. worse. I know. And you know, what? I want to talk about the um, at least the good parts. I want to talk about like the starting your business. You know, when I first got started, <laughs> I want to talk about the history of, of your right, bread and barley. Right. You said you were getting it made. You should have hit me up. I had to have like 30 Mexican cousins. We could have fixed, <laughs> made that shit with one hammer, dude. I swear, fucking in two hours. And a, and a bunch of 12 packs That's of it, uh, man. Corona. Oh, we'd be fine, dude. But um, yeah, man, tell me about the history. How did it all start up? Uh, so actually, uh, it was it was me and a friend. We kind of got together and we were, it was the bottom of the real estate market. Uh, you know, it was, uh, everything had just took a dive. We were in this recession and this building came up for sale in downtown Covina and, uh, you know, my dad, he's always been super frugal. He's always taking care of his finances. And I was a real estate broker. I still am a real estate broker. But at the time, you know, I was trying to f- make ends meet, figure things out. And my dad goes, hey, you know what? Um, if you're interested in this building, I'll help you out with the down payment. You got to pay me back. His interest rates were a lot higher than the banks. He's, he's you know, the loan shark of the family. But the opportunity was there for me. And so uh, ignorance is bliss. I didn't know what it was going to take to actually build a restaurant. Uh, I thought I did, but it was a lot more expensive than I thought. But, you know, we, we went ahead and did it. I was young and I was stupid. And I said, let's do this. So uh, we got to work. You know, my dad helped me out a little bit there to get the building. And then we got to work. And I, I every day, you know, took on a new challenge. I decided to do it as an owner builder, which the city had allowed at that time. And uh, so I, I subbed out different parts of it the plumbing the, the framing you know getting the, the the whole thing built and uh and i learned a lot of lessons along the way a lot of expensive ones but i finally got to where we were ready to open this this restaurant that we had this great idea we're gonna open this gastro pub gourmet restaurant in downtown covina there was nothing like it in covina or anywhere around you had to go to you know downtown la to mm-hmm. get that kind of quality or, or food or that environment we were going to focus on quality beer and so we thought, okay, this is going to be really cool. So we finally got it open. I remember um, Cisco, the food supplier, issued me credit for my first order. And I ordered my first order of food and, and all the supplies I needed for the kitchen. I ordered my first order of beer and wine. And I had no money for any of it. It was all on credit. And, <laughs> and these suppliers, you know, they fronted me. And then we opened and then the weekend went by and they all called me on Monday and said, hey, how was your weekend? And they really didn't give a shit how my weekend was. They yeah. wanted to know if I made any money because <laughs> they, they needed to come collect, you know, for, for all the supplies that they had given me. And uh, and it worked out. You know, the, the community, they came out and they loved it. They saw what I was doing there. They, they thought it was a great business. They thought the food was great. The environment was great. We wanted to make something that felt like kind of you were going to a friend's house for dinner you know, and, uh, and you knew who the people were. People like that, that down home kind of that community bar restaurant, you know, they know the staff, my staff. I mean, they know all of our regulars come in, they know my staff by first name. And so it's a great, it's a great environment. So it took off. It really took off. It did really well. The first year I was able to pay back a lot of the debts that I had created by year two, I was starting to really break even and fall into a groove there. Um, and I was able to do less of the real estate stuff and more of just focusing on growing the business. By year three, it was starting to make some money for us. 
So it was doing good and I was happy. From then on, we we kind of fell into a groove and just did what, what we were supposed to do. We were providing good food, good service, and just focusing on operating this business. And it was a success by any measure of success. In downtown Covina, there was nothing else like it. Um, at that time, there wasn't really any good restaurants or anything down there. There was a few, you know, smaller places that were that had been around for a long time, but there wasn't anything like gourmet like that. Uh, and then a couple others started to come in and and saw that you know it's great. This is this is a good a good place to open up a business. So I think we kind of started it going in that respect. Some other places opened and and things started to really snowball in a positive way. Everyone was doing well. So you know when this whole COVID lockdown thing started, things were good. They weren't bad. They were good. Now, you know, in, in a restaurant, good means you're really watching the bottom line because we got to be careful in a restaurant. Your, your profit margins are really low already as it is. You got to work really hard to make a buck at a restaurant. So, but we were doing it. We had years under our belt. We were doing it. So this lockdown hit, man, and it just devastated us. That, that set us back, I'm going to say, to the beginning. Fuck. You know, because all the good years that we had, you know, here I am providing a living for my family and doing things as if it's going to continue this way forever. And in a smart way, you know, I'm saving money too and putting away for a rainy day. But then this COVID thing hits. And I remember when they started the first shutdown, it, it, you know, we all were scared. And we were thinking, God, you know, this is terrible. Everyone's going to die. I mean, everyone was kind of freaking out and yeah. panicking. We had no evidence of what was going on. We, we didn't know what was happening. We had no facts, nothing. Crazy viruses yeah. hit. You know, I don't know. Are we gonna? Everyone started to freak out and go buy toilet paper and water, right? Yeah, yeah. No one knew what the hell was going to happen. So we shut down. We were required to shut down, but we, were, we, were, we weren't reluctant at all because we thought, wow, this is really bad. We're going to go ahead and close. Huh. And they said two weeks. They said two weeks, 14 days, slow the spread. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. We thought, okay, we'll go ahead and close. And in a restaurant, you know, you're kind of operating on the past. My payroll is like two weeks back. You know, you got to let people work and then clock in and out and then submit their hours. And then we submit it to payroll. And then it takes, you know, time to get that stuff processed. So you're operating kind of behind. I remember on a Friday we closed. And the following Monday when we opened up all, or not opened up, but when I opened up my bank account, I, I had like 10 grand in the operating account on that Friday. And then Monday, a bunch of automatic drafts hit, payroll hit. I had no weekend sales. And my account was at like 6,000 on Monday. By Tuesday, it was at like 3,000. And by Wednesday, I was at like 500 bucks. Holy shit. And I thought, what the hell's going on? And I, I called my bookkeeper. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, well, Carlos, everything's scheduled to pay. This is this is normal. You know, I'm looking through the account. This is this is the way we, but we would have had a weekend of sales, you know, hit the account on Monday. Right. And then Monday sales hit. And then Tuesday. So, so this is the, the normal course of business, you know. But now all this stuff's hitting our account and there's no sales. You know, we're closed. So by the end of the week, I was dumping money in from my savings. Fuck. You know, by the end of the week, I'm like, okay, I need to catch up on all this stuff. And so I started I started putting money in from my savings, and it got to the point where I just – I knew if I continued dumping my own personal money in, I wasn't going to eat. I wasn't going to feed my family. And then all of a sudden, payroll, you know, the second week of payroll hits that I'm still, you know, behind on. And I had to tell employees, hey, guys – 
I, I don't want to necessarily choose who needs their money the most, but it's kind of like what we're going to do. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to kind of take turns and give each person a paycheck as I have the money to do it. Uh, so it was hard. It was really hard. I don't think most people have no idea what that's like. You go to work, you work, you get paid. You don't go to work and then your boss says, Hey, sorry, I don't have the money this week, so I'm not going to pay you. And I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know that many people have experienced that. Right. And, and, and they probably would quit on the spot if their boss ever did oh, say that. Oh, for sure, dude. You know, and so in my position, I have no choice but to live that life as a business owner. And so, you know, like you said earlier, the risk, we take all the risk. Right. You know, if it, if it does great, then great. I get to benefit. If it doesn't do great, I still got to find a way to open the doors again, you know, and that's a huge risk. Huge risk. And, dude, that's that's the one thing that bothers me the most, man, is uh, I see these people in their comfy jobs, and it's like, don't get me wrong, they worked hard to get their jobs, and I'll respect them, whatever field they chose, but they lack the empathy of someone who has the risk that you're taking. They're like, well, but they should just shut down. I'm like, you're just fucking saying that because you're comfortable, dude. Because right, you're comfortable. Right. Like, you're, it's so easy for you to say that. Like, pretend you're a business owner. Like, just fucking scrap your brain right now and stop thinking about what's like you're being so selfish because you're really not putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And then you're pretending like it's for the benefit of other people, but you're really just lazy intellectually and you're getting some fucking fake argument saying like, oh, well, they should just follow the rules. Dude, no. Do you want him to fucking starve to death? Right, right. What do you mean? Do you want him to have no money for his kids? That's ridiculous. I think we all use our own background to draw off of and our own you know, position in life. And so it's really hard to even have an opinion, right? Because... People that have opinions, well, we all have opinions, but you have an opinion based on on your situation. Right. You know? And it is really hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes because it sounds easy. And and for those that are really afraid of, of this whole COVID situation, you know, I could see how they, they look at it like, well, come on, Carlos, you, you need to save people. Lives are more important than profit. Mm-hmm. And when you put it in terms like that, you're really, you're sweeping it under the rug because Big time. I don't, I don't for one second think that somebody's life isn't as important as a hundred dollar bill. And that's not, that's not what this is. Right. You know, and what I'm trying to say is we all have to figure this out, but I was willing in the beginning to help out and do my part and close, but our leaders didn't do it that way. No. They said, okay, we're going to close, but we're going to go ahead and let you know, Walmart and Target and Costco, they can all stay open. Right. It, it, It didn't have an effect. You know, the health department even told me, you know, Carlos, if they would have closed just every single business for two weeks, everything, you know, and nothing was open, that might have had an effect. But right. They, they didn't do that. They, no. they chose who to close. Exactly. That's and like fucking some coincidence. They chose people that they invest stocks in that they have their part. They're probably part owners of these fucking places. Well, they're big Most corporations. They're they, huge. They they have, you know, go into Target and say, hey, can I talk to uh, whoever's in charge here? You might get a store director or manager, but for the health department to go into Target and say, hey, we have to uh, you know, issue this or that order, it doesn't fly because they got to call their legal department in who knows right. what state, and there's a team of attorneys ready to receive that. Right. You know, so it's, it's, not, it's not as easy. Whereas with uh, Carlos Roman at Bread and Barley, you just walk in and say, hey, where's Carlos? And I'm probably there walking around doing something right and they can say hey man you got to stop doing this or that and start doing this and that and so i don't know i i feel like it's a lot easier to bully 
It the is. small business. It is. Right? Because we don't have lobbyists. We don't have deep pockets. We don't have teams of attorneys. We don't have locations all over the country. See? So for them to come into each restaurant down the street, that's easy. You know, and they tell us what to do. We're used to following rules. Yeah. We follow rules all the I mean, I had to I had to get a permit to open. I had to go get a health permit to open. I had to get a, a taxpayer ID. I got to pay my taxes. I had to. There's a lot that you have to do. A conditional use permit with the city. You got to go to the city council, make sure they're every, everyone's okay with you opening this type of business in the city. I had to jump through a lot of hoops to get that place open. Right. You know, and health is no stranger to us. That Everyone in my facility has a, a certified food handler certificate that they mm-hmm. had to go and and get from our state to, sh- to show that they know what they're doing. They know how to handle food. They know right. how to keep sanitary. They know how to handle things safely to keep people safe. We're used to that. Right. We do it all the time. Yeah. You know, same with alcohol. They they know what to look for in underage drinking and people that are overserved. We are used to following lots and lots of rules. But now they're saying, hey, you used to make X amount of money and we're going to make it impossible for you to continue to do that because now you can't have the same amount of chairs. You can't have the same amount of tables. You have to have certain distances. They cut our business not in half. In, in, there's, there's some restaurants that are operating at 10 12% of what they were pre-COVID. You're, you're literally running your business to lose money. Exactly. I, I, I mean, and I just, I wish I could open my bank account and show it to some of these people. You, you open every day. I have a minimum sale dollar that I have to hit before I can profit at all. Right. And the profit margin's already, you know, 8 to 12% of the sale after I hit that minimum number. So every month, if I don't hit this minimum sales dollar amount, then I can't cover all of the static bills like the insurance and the power bill. I'll tell you what, man. In the summertime, my power bill is up to twenty five, twenty six hundred dollars a month. Jesus Christ! You know, and people don't realize that you know you, you're at your house and it's a hundred bucks, you know, and you're like, oh God, I had my air conditioning on all, all day, right, yeah. and you know now it's one hundred and fifty or two hundred, and it's like it's devastating. But in a business, you don't you can't say, well, we're not going to turn the air conditioning on. Everyone's just going to drip and sweat. Oh, fuck can't the freezers. Do we don't need the freezers. Turn them off. You can't do it. Yeah. Everything's on. You know, you walk into a restaurant if it's closed, you walk in and just listen. You know, I got two walk-in coolers that are not going to turn off. You can't turn them off. Right. There, there's there's not even an off switch on them. They're yeah. installed directly to the breaker panel. They're, yep. they're on. They're, they're static on. They don't exactly. go off. Um, all the equipment in there, you know, you, the hood has to run all day. All the gas equipment gets turned on in the morning for them to operate. It's on all day. Like, this stuff is all static. You know, the insurance is based on, you know, past sales. That doesn't change. It stays the same. And so I'm continuing all these bills and I'm not doing the same business that I was doing before. Right. It doesn't make sense. You know, I'm operating at a negative. All we want to do is get back to work, man. That's it. And you know what, dude, like it's it's so it's so infuriating, man, because like me and my roommate, we talk about this shit all the time. And um we're always talking about uh, you know, how they always say small business are the backbone of the economy. You hear that phrase all the time. And then they pull this shit, and then they still keep saying, yeah, but we're in this together. Like you said, we're in this together. We're in this together. And the fucking balls they had, they tweeted out, I believe, like a month ago, uh, today's uh, Support Small Business Day. Everyone go to your small business. I'm like, you guys know what you've been doing? Yeah. 
to small businesses this last year. As like if a day is going to solve it. How evil are you to even tweet that out and to feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm good about this. It's literally just disgusting, man. And then not only that, they're screwing you guys with the, with the minimum wage laws. They're screwing you guys hard on that because I'm no genius. I'm, I'm half retarded. But um, one of my favorite uh, authors is um, Thomas Sowell. He's an absolute genius, man. He speaks on the economy like, you know, he, he can dumb it down for someone who's not smart enough to understand it. And it's basically what he – his basic – I don't want to probably butcher it, but um, when you raise the minimum wage laws, what ends up happening is you have to lay people off because you can't afford to pay that many people. And then you can't actually give them tips because now we have to include the tip in the bill so that way it goes to everybody because now they won't get – so actually they're getting less money. Yeah. If they're getting a lower hourly rate, I can hire more workers and they can get tips straight to their pockets and get a lot of money. And now it's the opposite. So I don't know. How's that, has that affected you at all? Well, you know, you everybody that looks around can see the effect, right? We've all been to a McDonald's, I think, now where you go in and there's a touch screen and you kind of place your own order. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that started a few years back and it was right when they started to hit us with the minimum wage increases. And so I think, you know, businesses get creative and try to figure out ways to get around it. And that doesn't help society. It doesn't help the community <clears throat> because... Nope. If we as businesses try to find a way around it, it's going to be cutting out more employees because we can't afford those employees. Right. And because the same people that voted to increase the minimum wage don't realize what the impact is and how that's going to increase their check at their favorite restaurant. And so I'll give you one kind of insight for, as a restaurant owner that most people don't even look at. Okay, I increase minimum wage. I have my own staff. I have the, the staff in the kitchen, the help staff, the support staff, and then I have my uh, people outside in the front that are going to now make $15 an hour. Great. So I have to increase my food by a little bit in order to cover all that, which it's already pricey. We're a gourmet restaurant. Right. So that makes it expensive. Well, that's only one side of the equation. And here's what the people don't see. The tomato that goes on your burger was harvested likely by a minimum wage employee. It was packaged by a minimum wage employee at a packing house, and then it was probably put on a shelf in a supermarket by a minimum wage employee. So what happens to my tomato? My tomato just went way up in cost. So what uh. people don't realize is the secondary effect. So it's not just me raising my wages within my four walls that I can control, great. But what happens to every single product that I carry the day that that minimum wage goes up? That all goes up too. Wow. Because those are all – think of when you sit down tonight for dinner, look at your plate and think to yourself. Close your eyes and think to yourself, who was involved in this plate coming to my table? How did this plate get here? You know, I went to the supermarket and I bought the potatoes and the spinach and whatever the hell you're eating for dinner. But think of how it got to your plate right. and all the people that were involved in producing this food that's now on your plate at your table at your house. There's a supermarket where you bought it from full of employees. Right. There's a truck driver that took it to the supermarket. Right. There's a packing house and a wholesale distributor that put all that stuff on pallets and got it to the supermarket. And before that, it was at a a place somewhere close to the fields where it was grown, where it was all packed. And and then before that, it was at the field and it was harvested. Before that, you know, some farmer and a bunch of employees put the seeds in the ground. So 
go down the line of all there could be a thousand people involved in getting that plate to your table see crazy that's not just okay let's increase minimum wage no big deal Look at the impact you just had right. on, on society. You screwed everybody. You Everybody, you know, and, and I think a lot of people dumb it down in order to make it feel good. And they go, well, yeah, this is good for people. And, you know, it's not that much money. You know, maybe it's a Starbucks a day. No, you, you increased our, what you did is you caused inflation. And the next thing that's going to happen is now you yourself, if you don't make minimum wage, are going to go to work in three months, six months, a year, and say to your boss, you know, it's time for a raise. Right. Why? Because your cost of living went up. Right. Right. And so that's what we're doing. And I think what people forget is when I was a kid, McDonald's used to advertise that they were hiring the future leaders of America. And that was the idea, right? I I knew that if I got a job at McDonald's, my first job actually was uh, bringing the shopping carts back in and bagging groceries at Albertsons. Me too. Swear to God, Albertsons. There you go. You know, and and I grew up in Reno, Nevada, so I was pushing them through the snow. Man, I'll tell you what, maybe three carts is about as many as you can get through the snow. That's wild, dude. (laughs) At least when I was that age, you know, I wasn't very strong. (laughs) And the point is, I didn't get that job thinking that I was going to support a family one day with that job, that I was going to work there the rest of my life, and I was going to need to earn a living in order to rent an apartment or drive a car or pay insurance or raise kids on my Albertsons bagging groceries job. Right. You know, and I don't think very many people do. Most people say, you know what, that's, that's where you start out, Carlos. Right. These are the jobs that teach our youth hey, you got to get up in the morning, you got to brush your teeth and wash your face, you got to get dressed, right? And you got to go to work. That's what these jobs do. They teach us how to be responsible. That's what it taught me, right? how to get up and go to work every day. They're not lifelong positions. Yeah. You know what? We're, we're, we're barking up the wrong tree here. Trying to increase minimum wage so people can have a, a decent wage to live off of, that's not what these jobs are for. Right. What we're doing is we're... If you if you think of it in terms of your own children, would you let your kids come to you and say, you know, Dad, I'm going to work for minimum wage for the rest of my life because that's what I want to do. I'd slap them. You, you'd look at Why your not? son or your daughter and you'd say, really? Yeah. No, you're going to school. You got to go to college. You got to get a better education. You got to be a hustler. Right. You got to do better than that. Right. Minimum wage is the bottom. Right. That's where you start. Yeah. Right. You 100 percent. You're going to get a minimum wage job while you're in college. Why? Because you need to feed yourself. Yeah. And with any luck, you'll be sitting on milk crates and trying to squeeze two pennies together to make it work. That's going to build character. That's yeah. how you learn how to live your life. But then you grow and you do better. And this pushes you. Right. So increasing minimum <clears throat> wage, what is that? That's not doing anything for our society other than than breeding a society of people that now don't have to do anything more. Yeah, entitlement. You're right, dude. Honestly, that it's an ass backwards mentality because you're you're you nailed it right in the head, dude. These jobs that you have when you're a kid, they do it's it's a struggle and they create enlightenment through that. You talk about it as your journey later. Later on, when you are that restaurant owner, you're like, dude, I started from the fucking bottom, dude. <laughs> like Drake, dog. I I pushed carts in the snow. I did all those things. And I got, and it's part of like it fills you with pride, right? That you went through those experiences. I had this. Dude, you and I just did it, right? You said, "Hey, I, I did that too." <laughs> yeah, literally, like my dude, my at Albertsons, it was the same situation. I literally made, it was, they hired me for the minimum hours a week, which was they had to give me four four hour shifts, so sixteen hours a week is all I worked, 
and it was eight bucks an hour at the time. And I had, and I drove a 99 Blazer and I went from La Habra to Brea and I literally didn't make money because to pay the gas for that fucking gas guzzler car, <laughs> I didn't make any money, dude. There's one time I got- A tank of gas was your whole paycheck. Yeah. I was like, fuck, this sucks, dude. But it's, I laugh about it now. I, I, I didn't feel like a victim. I was like, this is part of life, man. Right, and, right. And not only that, it's, it's a, uh, you need humility in that situation. You got to understand that you're, you're at the bottom of the totem pole and you got to eat shit for a while. And that's yeah, okay. Yeah. And when you embrace that mentality, you can only go up. It's like, it's, it's actually amazing. It's like fucking Rocky in Rocky one. He's right. like, I'm no, I have right. nothing to lose. I can only go up from here. Yeah. You build your character off of that. You right. Know, you, you, that's your foundation. That's right. What, it's, it's, it's kind of the wake up call that we all have to experience. Right. You know, going to college, being on your own, doing your own laundry, you know, but I remember the first time I had to buy shampoo and soap for myself, you know, I, that stuff just appeared in my bathroom. I didn't know how it got there. My parents put it there. I, yeah. Right. Like yeah. later you're on your own and it sounds stupid, but it's true. Like I, you never think about those expenses, you know? Yeah. I wanted to eat. That's, that's normal, but I didn't think about the other stuff, you right. know? Things that I never had to buy. Right. Um, and so you get, you know, you grow up and you learn these lessons. But the whole point is raising minimum wage, that's not something that we do because we want people to make a better living. That's something, it, it's, that's not what it should have been in the first place. Never, no. You know, we're building character and all you're doing is hurting businesses. I just saw on the news two days ago that uh, they're trying to increase pay give hazard pay to uh, grocery store workers. And it, you know, things like that really strike a nerve with me because I'm a business owner mm -hmm. and it's not in a, in a way that I don't want to be compassionate and feel towards people. I, I don't, this, my opinion has no bearing here on whether or not people deserve it. Right. Because of course they deserve it. They're working their ass off. They come into work. They're, they're risking their lives mm -hmm. coming into work every day. Great. You deserve it. But that's not the point. Because the money comes from people coming in and buying groceries. And where's that money going to come from? It, it ha everything else has to increase. Right. And so a few of the, uh, I think, Kroger-owned stores decided to close in L.A. County. because Because oh, they can't. Their business model is already set up in such a way that it's so tight that increasing the wage by $4 an hour or whatever it was, it, it doesn't allow for them to continue to operate so let alone making a profit some of these big businesses they they get by making a tiny amount of profit per location because they have so many they're a huge corporation right they have hundreds and thousands of people on payroll and so when you increase something by that much of a margin that's it it's done it puts them completely out of business right and so you know again the the, the what are we solving you know, if we put everyone out of business, then now no one has a job, right? If you take one location that had 70, 80 employees, they're all laid off. Right. You know, and who's who's going to pay that bill? We all are. Right. They're going to go get unemployment. They're going to be on some sort of benefits from the government until they find some other gig, right? And, and where are they going to go? What are they going to do? So you're making the situation even worse. Way worse. Way worse. Way worse. You know, this was the same thing with the shutdown. You know, they, they shut us down and said, you know, it's the restaurant's fault that COVID is spreading. And this is why, you know, we, we got to shut the restaurants down because it's their fault. It's no one else's fault. Well, then, you know, it continued to increase. 
exponentially even more. People were probably in their homes, having friends over, having parties, of getting course. together. People were social beings, man. We want to get together and have a goddamn beer, you know, and sit with friends. Come on, and yeah, hang of out and chat and talk and and bullshit and and have fun. You exactly. Know? That's what it's all about. That's why I named it bread and barley because you break bread with your friends, with your family, and the barley is the beer. You know, so you're having a good meal, you're having a drink. And you're you're supposed to hang out and enjoy that time with friends or family or whoever you're there with. Right. You know, that's what people want to do. We want to be Dude, social. That's what that's what everyone wants to do. That is my favorite thing about any restaurant from my hometown, dude, is I know it's like fucking cheers. Where everybody knows your name. <laughs> it is, dude. Like I, I have a donut shop that literally has seen me growing up my whole life. They know me since I was six, since I moved into my neighborhood. And I'll still go back there. I don't live there anymore, but I'll still go back there to say hi. And they're the most insane people of all time, dude. They're up at 2 a.m. every day. They're at their donut shop by 3 every day. They don't leave and come home till 6.30. And then every day they do this shit. Yeah. And every year on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day, they, with their own money, they put a whole feast together for the whole fucking, for the whole neighborhood. You come in, you get free turkey, stuffing, everything. Yeah. For the whole neighborhood. Yeah. That had to be like a, a couple thousand dollars just to get all that stuff together. And then they're still running the donut yeah, shop. Yeah. And it's a family-owned business, and they're they're a fucking amazing place. And K&T Donuts, La Mirada, the shit. Um, we all do it. As, yeah. as business owners, we all do it. Uh, gosh, I, I I could show you my uh, my donations, you know, account for the year. When things are good, you know, you share the wealth. You want your community to know that you're a part of the community. Yeah. You know, places like mine, we're the we're the guys that are on the banners at the at the little league baseball games. Yeah. You know, we're the guys that are out there supporting our community. You know, I can't even tell you how many golf tournaments I sponsored or I was out there, you know, giving out free beer so that they could sell more tickets for the golf tournament for whatever cause it was. Right. Um th- th- that's what we do. You know, we're part of the community because we're small business. We want everyone to know who we are. And so donating and giving back is a huge part of our business right so that's, that's something i think that a lot of us do at least the ones that want to stay around right you know and be known and it says way more from a small business to do that than a corporation like it's like you said earlier the corporation's going yeah we're going to give them a uh, hazard pay well that's because you have the money to and you're pretending like you're a good person like you have a shit ton of money don't act like you're really helping us out but we're talking about politicians who are claiming to care about the little guy you are the little guy well, no. That when there's you. that much money around, you know, it becomes political at that point as well because, you know, you get a big company that's got maybe a million or two million to give every year. Yeah. That's going to get political. You know, now there's going to be opinions involved and there's going to be people giving it to certain people for certain reasons. And you're not really helping your community. You're doing this now as a as a political ploy. Right. And To and save face, all that stuff. That Yeah. And that's, that's just the nature of the beast, I guess, with biz, big businesses like that. But... It's tough, man. It's really tough. So how how are things going right now in terms of like, is there an update since um since yeah, since yeah. all the stuff? Yeah. So uh, basically, a lot of people have asked me like, well, what happened? What came of it? You know, what what are they going to do? Um, unfortunately, you really you really can't fight a, a a place like the health department. They they're big. They got deep pockets. They're the government. Um, you fight in a in a kind of roundabout way because when you do it head on you you probably aren't going to win they started a legal proceeding against me because 
I remained open after that incident and they told me to close. I stayed open. They, it's easy to prove that I was open. You know, they got pictures, they, they come by and they investigate. Uh, so they fined me for every day that I was open after that. And the fine started to rack up and then they decided to have a hearing to make a decision as to whether or not to revoke my health permit altogether. Uh, the hearing is kind of a bullshit, bogus process. You know, they're the ones that make the decision. So yeah. really, there was no point in me even being on the call because they really didn't care what I had to say anyways. Right. Um, they started a, a call. It was a Zoom call with uh, a bunch of their people, administrators and an, an attorney, my attorney. And then they started asking some questions and why I was doing what I was doing. And I said, you know, I didn't I didn't even realize that I was supposed to be shut down. They gave me an inspection report that said to continue doing uh uh, carry out and to go business. So that's what I was doing. I, well, somewhere buried in the, in the language, it said that there was a five day suspension that I was not aware of. So I was operating illegally. They said, okay, well, you know, you weren't aware, but we'll get back to you. We'll let you know what we decide. A week later, they revoked the permit altogether, which means I have no operating permit to operate at all from the health department. Well, they take these little bites out of you, and then at that point, it becomes very easy to enforce because they can go to any judge in the state and say, Just there is this business that's operating with no health permit. It doesn't matter why or, or there is no real fighting that. It's their decision to make. They're the ones that issue the health permit in the first place. You can't really fight it. You know, Your attorney can say, well, this is bullshit, and we want to take you to court. Like, cool. Take us to court. You know, good luck. It's going to take a year to get a court. It's COVID. You know, you can't get a child custody case in court in less than a year right now. It's insane. So, you know, they, they look at you like, okay, well, good luck. In the meantime, you have no health permit. You are operating illegally, which means they can go to any judge and they spell that out in their documentation as there is a business that is a nuisance to society and a danger to the public at large. Why am I a danger? Because I have no health permit. That's very dangerous. I, I'm, I'm so in in their documentation. It's easy to spell that out to a judge in a way that sounds like I'm poisoning society, right? There's no health permit. There's no there's no you know oversight at all. This this business is just operating illegally. You know, for all we know, they're they're selling poison to people and they're gonna die when they get home because it's poisonous food. Because we're not there to oversight anything and and so then from the, a fucking gourmet restaurant dude. there you go from a gourmet McDonald's restaurant. is not poison but it, but yeah. on but on paper it looks great on paper it's just here's this uh, location here then they have no health permit and they're operating illegally and and we don't even know what they're selling so then a judge goes well yeah that makes sense they don't have a health permit yeah and they issue a warrant for the arrest of the person operating that business Jesus Christ. And so that was what I was faced with. So as I start to consult with my attorney on these sorts of things, he goes, okay, Carlos, if you keep the doors open, here's what you're looking at. You know, the next step is a warrant for your arrest, which, you know, maybe maybe your local law enforcement won't enforce that, but one day you're going to be driving somewhere and you're going to get pulled over for something. Right. You know, at, at some point in your life, maybe not today or tomorrow or next week or next month, but at some point that's going to happen and they're going to cuff you and take you to jail because you have an outstanding no, yeah. warrant. They have no choice at that point. Yeah. You know, they, they, what are they going to tell their supervisor? We let some guy with a warrant go. Right. So, you know, now you're faced with that, you know, hanging over your head, not to mention they continue to hit you with fines 
citations, fees, all these things every single day. So it starts to mount up. He says, okay, so we go ahead and we fight all of this. And then in a year and a half to two years, he says, Carlos, I have cases right now that are a year and a half scheduled. Jesus Christ. They're on the dockets for a year and a half from now. Right. You know, they're already they're already scheduled for that because they don't even want to open the court. Yeah, it's too dangerous. People are dying. Yeah. So now he goes, you're going to operate this way for, you know, I don't know how long until you get arrested and you're going to rack up all these fines and fees. And then in a year and a half, maybe two years, we'll go to court. Let's say you win. If you win, then they wipe the slate clean. You don't owe any of this stuff and they give you your permit back. What did you win? You didn't win anything. You know, you you kept the status quo. That, which is before Which yeah. is what you had before this started anyways. Right. You know, you're not gonna get any money. They're not gonna come back and say, Well, let's compensate him. You know, that's a whole nother can of wax, you know, right. that you have to open and figure out. They're just gonna say, Okay, well, here's his permit back. So faced with that decision, um, he went back to negotiate with their attorneys. And they said, okay, we'll enter a stipulated judgment with Carlos. And that is basically a judgment that I would agree to with a bunch of terms in it. Well, the main terms were follow the rules, whatever they may be. At that point, the stay-at-home order was being lifted, so we were able to operate outdoor again. So I thought, okay, well, at least I can operate outdoors. Um, I, have to, I have to think about everybody else. I have a whole staff of people. Right? I have people working in my kitchen. I have people working out front. I got to think about them. Do I want to go and, and be the crusader and fight all this to maybe lose? And in the meantime, you know, how am I going to pay them? I have to make a living. I have to have some sort of income coming in in order for these people to maintain a job. You know, uh, So I said, okay, well, what's what else are the terms? Well, follow all the rules. If there's any other orders, you have to follow them. Uh, don't interfere with the health inspector. Okay, cool. I don't have to park behind a guy's truck anymore, right? I'm yeah. behind a guy's <laughs> car anymore, right? I, I can handle that. Yeah. Um, and the, but the the biggest ones were there's a twenty five thousand dollar citation and a fifteen thousand dollar citation, two separate citations that are on reserve for if I break this stipulated judgment, which means you know I do something that's in that judgment that it goes against what I agree to. So so that's what they did to kind of enforce me doing everything the way they say moving forward. Well, again, I'm, I'm a restaurant. I'm used to following the rules. That's fine. I'm used to following the rules. So now we got to kind of fight this in a different way because some of these rules that do come out, like you have to go outside and tell people if they're in a household of, or if there's more than six people, you have to tell them, you know, if you're not from the same household, I can't serve you. Things like that. Now we got to look at these rules and kind of dig them, pick them apart and say, okay, why are we doing this? And it has to come from a different direction. I can't just not follow, you know, but I, I can I can question and then I can go out and I can tell my customers, hey, here's the rule. Here's what we have to do. If they say we're all from the same house, there's nothing I can do about that. They, they I'm following the rules. But... Now I'm, I'm really in a bad position because I had to get reopened, but now we still have these, these weird parameters that no one can really explain. And, and that's scary. It's yeah, really man. scary stuff because you don't know what's next. They're basically asking me to police the area in front of my restaurant on a personal level where I have to 
investigate a person's history or where they live or why or you know it, it becomes so invasive and and that's that's where we're at today so so that's the situation I'm faced with um, basically I agreed to this uh, stipulated judgment I got my health permit back I had to pay uh, God I don't even remember what it was now it was like seven six thousand and change in fees to get reopened and then I have these looming, you know, fees that are hanging over my head right. if anything else happens. And in the meantime, the health inspector's at my place every other day. And I'm, I can't imagine how much you invested just for outdoor dining. Everyone, I mean, I saw people upwards of like fifty to $100,000 right. before the shutdown. They You're said, almost hey. building another dining area. Yeah. You know? They said, well, we're going to have uh, outdoor dining, so it's okay. So like, all right, we'll, we'll put fifty to hundred grand of it. And then as soon as they did the fifty to hundred grand, hey, by the way, it's all shut down. You're like, dude, what? Yeah. Right. I just put all that money in there. What do you mean? Sat out there empty, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, dude, I mean, I'm telling you, everyone, everyone's feeling for you guys right now, man. I mean, I mean, dude. I hope so, because I you, I think the majority of the support, the majority of the response that I got was supportive. Uh, But you know, for every hundred people that were supportive, there was one person in there that said, you know, you're killing people. Why are you open at all? You should be, or he should close. Or yeah, that restaurant should go out of business because he doesn't follow rules. Right. You know, and I think God, is this? What are these people? You know, They're you want to respond man. to all this, but yeah. but you really can't. Right. They've They're already made up their mind. That's it. Yeah. And you know, they're coming from a position of some sort of anger or hate or fear or I don't know what it is. Yeah. And, and maybe they lost a family member. Maybe something happened that was right. really devastated in their life. And and so I can empathize with that. But at the same time, you have to look at society as a whole. You know, we are a huge society here in Southern California. And I mean, I don't know what the exact figure is on how many small businesses there are or how many of them are restaurants, but it's a lot. Right. Anywhere you go, there's restaurants up and down the street. And they're all little guys. You know, they're all your little local, you know, taco, mom and pop, burger place, you know, Vietnamese, Thai, whatever it may be. There's restaurants everywhere yeah and we're all feeling this crunch and what are we going to do if we go out of business you know am i going to go back to albertson's and push shopping carts now what's next right i don't know what to do i I sunk my life into this business you know where i followed all the rules for so many years to make it work and now i got to deal with this this is beyond my control right you know what i you can't just adjust to it we're not a business that's set up as a food profit center to begin with. You know, we're not Chick-fil-A. We're not McDonald's. We're not a fast food place. I don't have a drive through You don't necessarily go to your favorite steak restaurant to get a box to go. You know, right. You, yeah, you go for the experience. You go for the experience. You go for the ambiance. And my ambiance is dead. You know, we're outside. Fuck. And the current health order says no entertainment whatsoever. None. Zero. You can't put a TV outside. You can't put a radio outside. You can't have music playing in the background. What does that have to do with COVID? A fucking TV. From what they explained to me, it's because they want to keep people from hanging around. They want to keep people from having another beer and talking to their friends and, and enjoying the environment. They want it to be you come in, you eat, you leave. They want it to be a quick stop in and go. And so that's that's... That's what they're pushing, and it really makes you wonder, you know, why are we doing this? Why is it so invasive? Is it really to save lives? Do, do they just not want people talking to each other? 
you know, what is it? Yeah. I don't know what it is. You know, you can't talk to each other anymore. Right. And, you know, dude, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist either. That's not my thing. But because um, they're just too endless. Like you just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. It, it never stops. It never stops. You're, you're like, there's aliens here. They're all amongst us. And you, and you start freaking out. But um, that seems honestly less like a conspiracy. It seems more likely that that's it's just like more of a power thing than it is an actual I care about society and I'm trying to help them. Uh, from the political standpoint, it sounds more like it's just a power structure because there's other places that are wide open and they seem to be fine. Right. You know, and uh, Florida reopened and a lot of places and they seem to be doing okay. Um, not saying that we won't have some casualties and people won't die. That's going to happen. But, I mean, we take a risk every day you get in your car, man. Yeah. I know, I know yeah. it's a different analogy. It's probably lazy to put that there. But every day you get in your car, you, you, you can get hit by a drunk driver. You can get hit by anything. It happens every day. And... um I honestly think it should be as simple as a waiver. I think if the government came out with a waiver and said, look, you sign this waiver and it says that you are taking the risk to risk your life and you can't sue anybody. You can't say, uh, you know, I got sick because of here. I'm, I'm charging them. You can't do anything. But you're but you're taking the risk and you're saying that whatever happens to me, I'm, I'm fine with it. And it's right. and it's up to it's my choice. Right. If you put that waiver out, I guarantee you like 90 percent of people would sign it. We're all responsible for ourselves. Right. You right. Know, even. Even getting COVID, you know, you, you, I don't know if you've had anyone in your family that's had it yet. My I think mom, everyone, yeah. My everyone mom's had, had it. it. Yeah. I had it. I yeah. had it and uh, got through it. It was bad. It was it was not fun, mm-hmm. you know, but it, I got through it. I, I survived. I have asthma and it, it got it got bad at times. You know, I was a little scared. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the news and you see how many people are dying and you go, shit, am I going to die from this? Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of weeks went by and I was okay. Yeah. But the point is, you know, we risk our own lives every day, like you said, and you can't blame anybody, see? And so, you know, what I was referring to, you have that family member that maybe goes, well, where did I get this? You know, who had it first and and who gave it to me? And where did I, hey, listen, you left your house. Yeah. You know, and if you didn't and you invited someone over, then then that's also on you. you Right. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. Right. I got COVID. I don't know. I really don't know where I got it could have been at a gas station, you know, it could have been, who knows where oh I got God, it, you yeah. know, I was in the supermarket, I was all over the place, I don't know where I got it, Right. you know, I did everything that I was told, I wore my mask, like I, you can't even walk into a place without putting a mask on, so I did everything I was supposed to do, I still got it, but I didn't go around saying, okay, whose fault is this, you know, no, who, yeah, exactly. who's at fault, you know, what restaurant gave this to me, what, what supermarket gave this to me, I want to know where I got the, you know, I, you can't, right, at the end of the day, you have to wake up and say, hey, you know what? I take responsibility for myself. I'm going to wake up today. I'm going to leave my front door. And when I do that, I, I who knows what's going to happen? Right. You know, it's shitty. I would hate that, you know, something were to happen that's outside my control or, or that's not my fault. You know, if someone gets hit by a drunk driver, you want to hold that person accountable. You know directly who it was and, and what happened. In this situation, it's just shitty for all of us. It is, man. You know, but what can we do? You know, we can't lock the world away and throw away the key. We can't cause everyone to go out of business, you know, because I don't think people really understand. When you close a business, where do all those people go? You know, and I feel like these people that think it's a good idea, they, they go, well, you know, there's there's safeguards. There's unemployment. There's this. There's that. No, that's not even close. 
it's temporary at best and it's nowhere near what you were doing plus you just stripped away that person's entire livelihood and what they were doing with their day every day yeah to go figure something else out you know or to go completely broke yeah it's not if i go broke at bread and barley that means i'm broke it means i don't have money to go do something else yeah right i can't go open a new whatever you know thing and do a new business because there's no money left it's gone you know at that point you're just trying to to liquidate your your whatever's left and salvage it and then move on to who knows you know get a job you start from zero again man how many times you got to start over in life yep they I've just, done it. You they know? just did it with the pipeline workers. They literally just said, "Hey, uh, we're, you're closing your jobs and uh, move on." Yeah, you know, we, we might just check into the new ones. And they're yeah, like, "Go figure it out." What? Like, dude, like, this is my. This is all I've ever wanted to do: landscaping, uh, you know, all that construction work. And you just took it away. Like, I have right. no, I have no money anymore, man. And it's, dude, I'm telling you, man, people feel for you. I, I know I did, man. I, your, your video got me very emotional, and um. I was pissed off. I had enough. Dude, yeah, man. You know, this inspector came that day and said, hey, you're not allowed to have anybody waiting out in front of the place. If they're sitting on a public bench, which there's a public bench in front of my restaurant. Yeah. It's just a public area to sit. It's on the sidewalk. And someone was sitting there drinking their soda, waiting for their food. I'm not a fast food restaurant. When you place an order, you're going to wait 15, 20 minutes for your food to get prepared and cooked fresh. Right. So they're sitting there waiting, and the waitress said, well, what about this guy sitting on this bench? He goes, yeah, you're, you have to tell them to leave. They have to wait somewhere else. I, I lost it. Unbelievable, man. I freaking lost it, man. And I didn't want to come up and hurt the guy. What I wanted to do is, is really figure out what's going on in his mind. I wanted to say, and, and that's what I was doing once the police got there. He, he wouldn't even get out of his car or listen to me. I walked up, I knocked on his window, and I said, hey, man, I want to talk to you. What am I doing wrong? How is this wrong? And what do you expect from me? Right. You know, you want me to go out and tell someone to leave? Do you think that's a good idea? You know, what's your personal, outside of your job, okay, fine, you're doing your job. You're just, you came in today and they told you to do that. Do, what do you think about that? And at what point do we stand up as citizens and say, okay, I was told today to do this as my job, but then when I double-checked my conscience, I realized that that wasn't okay. Right. See? And that's the thing that no one's doing. Yeah, no one's going home and looking themselves in the mirror and going, dude, what did I do today? They, they don't do it. You, yeah. They, they don't know? look in the mirror. They don't think about I guess when, you know, you know, when you're getting a paycheck, it just... It causes absolute blankness of of any other idea or thought in your mind. Selling I mean, your soul, man. What's going on? And I, you know, I put it in simple terms for one of the inspectors. I said, okay, well, tomorrow when you walk in, let's say your boss hands out blowtorches to all the inspectors. It says from now on, anyone that's got any violations, you're gonna set their uh, building on fire, burn it down. Mm-hmm. That's that's our protocol. We're gonna burn the building down if they violate. Right, and you can do it legally. You're not going to go to jail. No, this is your job. We're right. paying you to do this. Right. Would you do that? Oh, no, Carlos. I mean, I wouldn't do I, Okay, so there is a limit. Right. Well, you know? literally, I mean, fig- that's literal. Figuratively, that's what the fuck you're doing. It's exactly you, what you're doing. It's just taking longer. It's the same difference, yeah. Just taking longer. You're just stabbing me to death, and you're doing it in small little places. You can starve me to death. Right. right. 
You know, I mean, I don't know if you are at a science class or a biology class in uh, high school and, you know, you're going to dissect a frog or they got the live frogs and you got to you got to gas them, you know, yeah, in a jar. Yeah. I remember that. You know, it, they don't just die. They don't even know they're dying. Yeah. You know, a lobster in a pot doesn't know it's dying. Yeah. You know, it goes into a lukewarm pot and it slowly cooks. Yeah. And and that's what we're doing to each other. You know, screw the leaders and what they want us to do. Look at yourself in the mirror and and go, hey, what am I doing to my fellow human? Right. You know, how how is this okay? I'm out here enforcing this. Just you know? like a little fucking hall monitor, like a little dork. Man, we all knew those dorks in high school, right? The hall monitors. <laughs> like, fuck this guy. That's what these guys are to me, dude. And, um, yeah, it's one thing if you're getting in a fight or beating someone up in the hall, right? Like, that's yeah. what you're there for. But if you're, if you're running to the bathroom, you're running too fast. I mean, that's what, <laughs> that's what these guys are, dude. That's what these guys are, man. And, like, for someone, for like your business, who's like, dude, you've worked super hard, it's an A rating, all these things. Dude, when I was a kid, only restaurants I went to were B because I didn't because I I liked the B rating ones. I knew they had the real <laughs> shit. I wanted the Mexican authentic. Cokes. Yeah, I wanted the Mexican Cokes that had all the sugar in it. You know, I wanted my cook to be fat. I didn't want him to be in shape. I wanted all that stuff, dude. But your restaurant is you put so much. Like you wanted it to be top notch. Yeah, gourmet food, yeah. top craft beers. That's dude. That's what people want. People want that feeling when you go into a place that I'm being taken care of. It reminds you of your aunts. It reminds you of your uncles. It reminds you of your right, mom. Right. It reminds. That's why you go there to feel. I pay a lot for service, and I don't give a shit what the bill is. I never do. I like. I pay for that. I pay for the experience. I want to be taken care of. Those are those environments. Yeah. Exactly. That's the type of environment. And you're too. asking me to take it all away, man. But yep. I'll tell you what, dude. Everyone here is in the backyard, man. I, I'm. That's why I want to have you in here, dude. Because I feel like any way we can promote local businesses, dude. Uh, small businesses. Anyone from the neighborhood who's who's had balls and took a risk, man, in America, which you're supposed to do, man, to start a business from the ground up. You built it yourself, dude. That's insane. Yeah. And then, you know, if, I know you have a GoFundMe, right? Yeah, yeah, we did do it. I actually didn't even set it up. Someone set it up for me, which was great. Okay. Super thankful for that. Um, so that's on my uh, Instagram pre- page at Bread and Barley Covina. Perfect. I'm going to post that on the podcast. I'm going to post it on the Instagram. And uh, I know my dad, my dad, I said my dad's in law enforcement. He said all of his buddies already to your restaurant. So I know they've been going a lot. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so um, we're Which, gonna keep... we've always supported law enforcement. By the way, you know that wasn't. I noticed. Yeah, that day, you know, was not a law enforcement situation. It was more just the health department. I know that they they wanted me to not block someone. They wanted me to not be illegally parked. They're trying yeah. to address that. Yeah. And I don't think, again, I don't think they really understood exactly how to go about all this. It's also new for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, but again, you know, sometimes you got to question what you're doing. Right. That's what I meant earlier when I said I thought her people skills were a little bit off. That right. Like, right. as a cop, she seemed to be doing the right thing, and she seems like a good person. Right. But, like, she seemed to lack empathy, and she seemed to lack communication skills to talk like, hey, man, I understand. This sucks, dude. Well, there's those people I've, that you look at, or they, they talk, and you know that they're just trying to get to that end goal. Her her goal was get this guy out of the street, move on, and go to the next call, right? Right, right. And and that's what Which she, makes her a good cop. And, like, it, and it, it shined through too much because she wasn't trying yeah, it to did. really figure out the situation. It was just like, okay, let's get this done as quick as we can. It did, yeah. And that's the thing. She's, I'm sure she's a – that was just a moment that she – I'm sure she went back and was like, I could have done that better because that's what, that's what cops do. You look at your situations and you go, hey, I fucked up. I could have done that one better or I could do this better. Hopefully she did do that because I'm sure she's a great person and a good cop, but – yeah, she lacked a little empathy on that one, but 
We're not going to, man. Alternate takes. I'm going to make sure we're supporting the shit out of you, man. I'm, I'm going to send everyone I can over there. Be buying gift cards, whatever we got to do, man. Because, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, appreciate man. Appreciate that. Um, Carlos Roman, we did an hour. Awesome. Promise you an hour, we did an hour. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah. I, I hope someone out there learned something about the inner workings of a small business. Oh, dude, I learned a lot, man. This is a, this is a great conversation, man, and I hope it all works out, dude. And like I said, we'll be supporting you a lot, man. Awesome. Nice meeting you, dude. Thank you. Alternate Take, thanks for tuning in, man. This has been a great episode, and I uh, hope you guys learned a little bit. And uh, go support Bread and Barley, dude. I'll post a link in my Instagram, and I'll make sure we post it up. And uh, I'll see you guys soon, man. Peace. Lisa likes Brandy in the way it hits her lips. She's a rock and roll survivor with pendulum hips. She's got deep brown eyes that have seen it all. Working at a nightclub that was called The Avenue The barman used to call a little Lisa Looney Chin She went down on almost anyone but From the hard time living till the Chelsea days From when I have a sweet blonde till the day I turned gray She said L-I-F-E-G-O-E-S-O-N You got more than money and sense, my friends You got heart and you go in your own way so when what you don't have now will come back again you got hard and you go in your own way some people wear the history like a map on their face and joey was an artist just living out a case but his best word was his letters home Extended works of fiction about imaginary success When chorus girls and neon were his closest thing to friends But to a writer, the truth is no big deal And from the hard time living to the sleepless nights And the black and blue body from the weekend fights You'd say L-I-F-E-G-O-E-S-O-N Got more than money and sense, my friend You got heart and you go in your own way Got more than money and sense, my friend. You got heart, and you go in your own way. L I F E G O E S O N. What you don't have now will come back again. You got heart, and you go in your own way. L I F E G O E S O N. Got more than money and sense, my friend. You got heart, and you go in your own. G-O-E-S-O-N What you don't have now will come back again You got heart And you go in